All right, folks, it's Bill Bennett. Welcome back to my podcast. Mm-hmm. All right, Claude, get, lead us in here, will you? Oh, yeah. Well, on today's show, we've got a good friend, Brian Kennedy. Uh, he is going to come in and talk about the top three things that are on his mind. And he... I'm interrupting you. He is the yes. chairman. The chairman of, yes. Of the Committee on the Present, Present Danger, Danger China. Mm-hmm. And also um, American Strategy. American I'm, Strategy. A, I'm Washington Fellow of the American Strategy Group. And Brian is in charge of the American Strategy Group. Mm-hmm. They all think about American strategy in the world. Right. Uh, b- big thinkers. And he's a really big, serious thinker. A few things on my mind. I, you know, it's interesting. They're talking now about a, um, a whistleblower uh, in the FBI who is uh, talking about possible crimes uh, by Vice President Biden. Uh, corruption uh, issues. These apparently do not relate to Hunter Biden, but just uh, kind of straightforward uh, bribes or something. I think that's what the allegation is. But we don't know if this is real or not. It's being dismissed, of course, by the Democrats. But Senator Grassley is on it. He's a he's a bird dog when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. He takes it very seriously, and um, he wants he wants some answers. So um, he'll probably you know he'll probably pursue it now. There's a file, and it's unclassified. If they classify it, then it'll be a lot harder for Grassley and, I guess, Comer, James Comer from Kentucky in the House to get it, but they're but they're working on it. Um, now, speaking of Hunter, this whole thing in uh, Louisiana, I guess, well, the court's in Arkansas with uh, this uh, child support. I don't, I don't know why Hunter Biden did this. It, did you, you know what I'm talking about? Well, he has a child. Which right. I take it he has acknowledged. I don't know if he did voluntarily or not, but he's acknowledged it now. Uh, you know, blood tests, blood tests, and these things, these things work. Uh, anyway, uh, he's got a four-year-old daughter mm-hmm. uh, whom he uh, recognizes, at least to the extent that he, you know, is making child pay- uh, support payments. Mm-hmm. And they're, pr- they're pretty substantial there, I think. Uh, Looks like I'm looking at monthly child support payments of $20,000? Yeah, 20000 a month, Jeez. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, it it is a lot, and and he thought it was a lot. But uh, you know, he went to court to try to get it reduced. But the judge said, "Well, I need to know about your income and you know sources and where it's from." So, uh, judge has opened up what may be a big can of worms for for Biden, uh, Hunter Biden. Now it is a lot, uh, but how much does he have? Uh, And um, you know, judge wants to know that. I guess they submitted some documents, but the judge said too many redactions, too many things are crossed out here. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Um, but some people think this may open up the whole, you know, uh, plethora of uh, relationships that he's had with, you know, Barisma and some of these other things. Sure. If you look closely at his, uh, at his income levels. So that's it on the kind of the scandal front. Um, the other scandal, of course, is the spending. We, we are now talking about trillions mm-hmm. being spent. Trillions. Um, it's kind of impossible on numbers. Uh, it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be happening. I, you know, one thing I noticed about, about, you know, this, this issue of, uh, the election and election deniers. I, I don't know. I, I guess you're not an election denier if you say, you know, if all the truth had been known about Hunter Biden, and possible corruption by his father who, as vice president and, um, you know, other things which hadn't been uh, disclosed before the election and which uh, people went to great pains, big tech, um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you know, not, not putting this stuff out 
and and the, indeed even the FBI going to you know Facebook and other places and saying don't put this information out. But but, but the point I'm driving at is a lot of people are saying okay, you know quite apart from the uh, the machines, you know the election machines, you know all the information that was needed in order to make a good judgment about um, the election and who should be president wasn't available. And there's some data that suggests that if people knew everything about the Hunter Biden, that the laptop was real, that this letter by the so-called 50, uh, you know, intelligence experts uh, was uh, ginned up, you know, by the Biden campaign, uh, actually, in the, in the person of our current secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, um, and, you know, the whole thing's a mess. So that misinformation and lack of information uh, governed this uh, this past election for president. Uh, and people are saying, so if people knew that, it would have been a different result. That's not election denying. That's, I guess, election uh, anal- analyzing. Mm-hmm. But come to the same conclusion that uh, Trump would have won. That's what, uh, that's what they're saying. Any comment, Claude? Yeah, well, I mean, even going back, you know, before that, do you remember when President Trump, former President Trump was running for office? And I don't mean to kind of draw these comparisons, but I can't help but to do it, where there was so much being made after he won about uh, having his children working with him in the White House. Well, they don't know what they're doing. How is this going to compromise uh, national security? Well, they have so many business dealings. This is not good. They're going to profit from it with no evidence of them even trying to do that, do that before. They didn't try to do that while he was in the White House. And even afterwards, it's not even the case. But here we've got Hunter Biden, who clearly, I mean, I even a few days ago just did a search on Google. And you can't, you know, rely on the Internet for, you know, like totally great things. But you've got to get a feel for what's going on out there. What does Hunter Biden do for a living? And I'm just trying to figure out. Why would he have even access to some of this stuff and all this money? I mean, and you've got, you know, of course, you know, well, worked as a lobbyist, worked as an investor, uh, hedge funds, private hedge funds, lawyer, you know, just but we know about his troubles as well. Right. But there's no kind of actual substantive. Here's what Hunter Biden does. And that's where a lot of the trouble comes in. Right. And so you've got. You've got all this, I guess, substantive things you can look at Hunter Biden for, and but the mainstream media won't do it when it comes to the president. But when former President Trump was in the White House, everyone wanted to talk about Ivanka and Eric and and Don Jr. and they had nothing. They had no. They, there was nothing to the level of this concern that rose to any three, any of those three. Yeah, no, that's right. You have more here to be concerned about than. Then with those three, but the mainstream media doesn't seem to care at all about it. And by the way, yeah. we know or it, it, before and after White House and during White, we knew what they did for a living and how they made their money. That's right. What, what Hunter does. Yeah, we don't know. That's uh, that's fair amount. Well, he does. He's an artist. Right. And, and he sells his, his paintings for half a million dollars. Correct. Uh, you know, that's what the hell is that all about? Well, yeah. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe this uh, tenacious judge, uh, female judge in Arkansas, will uh, unlock the box of mystery there. We don't, we don't know. What if this judge in Arkansas ran the same way the judge in New York did? I'm running because I'm going to put President Trump into jail. What if she did the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm running. I'm and we'll put, Hunter Hunter, <laughs> put Hunter Biden now. 
<laughs> I don't. I, yeah, let's let's not let's not start a rumor that she. Yeah, no. That. For clarity, she never. No, that's just me doing what I. Do. You just just that's all right. No, that's okay. The audience will appreciate it. Uh, all right, I, I got another topic which I, I think is a big deal, and boy, it is crazy to me. But uh, let's talk about New York subway. All right. Okay. And what happened? I'll let you lead. Go ahead. Uh, so you're talking about the New York subway where a man was held down for um, by passengers, correct? Because he was acting irrationally and uh, ended up dying because of how he was held down, correct? Yeah, that's right. He was uh, on, the, on the subway train and he was making, you know, threatening actions, apparently mm-hmm. throwing, throwing garbage around at people, correct. Uh, saying he didn't care whether he went to jail or not. Uh, and you know, it was, she was just you know, frightening a lot of people. Now this happens in New York. It happens in subways yeah. uh, a lot. And what do mm-hmm. people do? Uh, they change cars. Uh, you know, they get out at the next stop and run to the next car down there so they can avoid it. Or uh, they look in their papers. They look at their iPhones now and ignore it. Um, and sometimes they get beat up and they just, just ignore it because you don't want to get killed. Right. Well, this guy was acting up and um, uh, several of the passengers just had it. One, apparently, mm-hmm. more than anyone else, a Marine. Of course. Uh, and he uh, he got up and, uh, you know, threw the guy to the ground with the help of other passengers, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, got him in a chokehold. The guy died. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about this as a uh, comparison to... Um, to George Floyd. Um, let it be said that uh, as you look at the video, at least one of the uh, people holding this guy down is a black guy. Because sure. now we got the racism thing going on. But it's what's happened since. Demonstrations of, I don't know how many people, because I'm not there, but the news reports are substantial size. Uh, you know, Justice for Jordan. Jordan is the name of the guy who who died, um, black guy. Um, uh, this guy apparently had very serious mental problems. Uh, the city, you know, didn't provide stuff for him. He'd been arrested. But, um, you know, this guy was you know, in trouble and was making trouble. Uh, now, apparently he made a living, according to one news source, by doing Michael Jackson imitations on the subway. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you make a living like that. I guess you put your hat, your hat out. I, I don't know. You're not going to make 20000 a month doing that. That's, that's well, for sure. To still be considered homeless, he wasn't making much of a living. All right. Yeah, he was homeless, right? So anyway, uh, big demonstrations, and they want to hang this Marine. They, they really want to nail this guy. And, and this is amazing because I don't think the sentiment of New Yorkers is going to be with the demonstrators. Mm-hmm. I think the sentiment of New Yorkers, particularly those who travel on subways, is going to be, you know, it's okay with me, you know, teach them a lesson. Mm-hmm. Because uh, these guys pretty much run free and have free reign in the subways when the cops aren't around. And sometimes mm-hmm. cops are powerless to stop them. Mm-hmm. So these demonstrations are pretty big. I don't know if they'll continue. But, you know, Bragg, uh, the DA in New York, the, you know, it's, um, he may arrest him and charge him. Uh, you know, using too much force uh, on um, uh, on this on on this Jordan Jordan's uh, neck. So, so I don't know what will happen, but uh, stay tuned on that, and love to hear from our audience what they think. This harkens back to Bernie Getz. You weren't born, you know this, Bernie Getz. I do not. 
uh, G O E T Z. He was uh, I had a guy at some technical, some kind of tech company, but um, you know, he re- rode the subway and I guess had some bad experiences. He got himself a gun. Uh, he didn't go through the procedures that uh, you know you're supposed to, but he was carrying a gun. So he was harassed on the on the subway by a bunch of guys. He's white, mm-hmm. uh, and it was four black guys, and this was in the 80s, and they harassed him. He shot him. He shot all four of them. Uh, I, I don't know that any of them died, but one of them had serious uh, damage uh, to his brain and stuff, and there was a civil suit. But in the criminal trial, which the whole nation watched, this guy did, did not get it was not guilty. They thought it was, you know, self-defense. And even in New York, you know, if you have reasonable, uh, you know, feeling or sense that you're under danger, it's reasonable. It would have been reasonable for any any person in that situation to think they were in danger. You're allowed to defend yourself by deadly means. You think, you think they're going to take your life? You can. Now, it's supposed to be proportional. Uh, and uh, But, you know, he, he thought they might kill him. So uh, anyway, that, that case was... Uh, a big deal. And guess who was there at the time? Uh, I'll give you a hint. Is he's a reverend. Okay. And he, and he lives in New York. And who do you think I'm talking about? Must be Reverend Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton. That's yeah. exactly right. He remembered it. <laughs> and he was there, you know, mm-hmm. saying gets ought to get the death penalty himself. And uh, he, I think he just commented the other day. So we'll go back to gets time here with this guy. Anyway, we would love to hear from the audience. But the big demonstration against this guy is a new turn, I think, in um, in the circumstances, in the situation. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Welcome, Brian Kennedy. Thank you very much, folks. Uh, Brian is the president of the American Strategy Group. He is uh, chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, China. Let's talk about China. Yeah, well, no, I think... Uh... I think China remains the most significant national security threat for the United States. It has been, will continue to be. Uh, We'll talk about Ukraine later, but we seem to be so focused on Ukraine these days that we're not really examining clearly what's going on with communist China. looks like there's another balloon that's either approaching the United States or over the United States. Really? It looks like like China is is, uh, mapping, as it were, our nuclear, our fields where our nuclear weapons are placed, and they look to be preparing for war. We know that they think about war in a different way than we do. We think of war as being kinetic. We think of, you know, navies and armies and all those kinds of things and air force and engaging in actual combat. The Chinese do as well, but they they are pretty good at, at figuring out our strengths and weaknesses. And they saw with COVID in 2020, you know, how we would react. We locked ourselves down. You know, we changed our political system. Now we're, we're in the middle of another presidential campaign virtually. And China looks to be preparing for war in Taiwan. And that war, if it ever should happen, would be a very serious thing for the whole world. Uh, and we hope that, of course, that it that it doesn't happen. But they do seem to be preparing for that kind of war. I gave a talk in Los Angeles uh, last week to a large group of folks, and I was laying out the case that if war does come to Taiwan, 
it almost certainly means it also comes to the United States, probably directly. Because if the, if China is going to invade Taiwan, they're they're going to have to take out the U.S. military assets in Okinawa, Japan, and while they're at it, probably the Japanese Defense Force. Why? Well, because we could project power. I see from, from Okinawa to there. And what? Yeah, that was that was where my uh, my son, my marine, uh, uh, marine yeah. son, was based for a while, as you know. Yeah, I always think I always think of Joe when I say this. Yeah. Because, because it's not a small thing. If no, China, if China thinks about going to war with you know taking Taiwan by force, they're not going. They're they're going to win that in their own minds. They're going to do whatever it takes to win. That means reducing the American military's ability to engage in combat there, whether yeah. it's taking, taking out, you know, the, the, the military assets in Japan or the Japanese defense force or any, any other American asset, like an aircraft carrier or any naval assets we have in the area. That kind of thing is not something our military today appears to be preparing for. We're focused well, as, almost entirely on Ukraine and not on yeah. The, the defense of Taiwan, or or frank or frankly, by the way, our own defense. So, so they take out American. We they take out American assets as they you know destroy our carrier there, right, um, and other things, and then we we have to respond, right, right, and we respond with uh, a nuclear weapon. Well, I mean, I'm that's, just guessing. I'm yeah, just guessing. that's. I mean, that's the great concern here, right. That that yeah. we're, we're, we seem to be ill prepared for this. Yeah, but ill prepared or not, we would respond. Right. We, we, uh, you we, know, we would we, we would have to respond. Yeah, we'd have to respond. Have be, to, yeah. We, yeah, I mean, they, if they attack the American military, we'd have to it, respond. We have to. Yeah, and so yeah. then we're, then we're probably in it. World War. Then we're, then, then we're yeah. Then we're in World War Three. We're in a real shooting war. I may want to come back to this, but but you mentioned Ukraine several times. Let's let's go to Ukraine and then maybe flip back. But could we go to Ukraine, Brian? Um, let's first make our bridge here by talking about <laughs> was this a bridge? President Xi of uh, China, of the com- of Communist China, uh, visited with uh, Zelensky, Ukraine. Yeah, well. He uh, had a conversation. He, yeah, he thinks of himself now as the the arbiter of world affairs. Yeah, so he, he's he's going to have alliances with Russia, and Russia's in a war with uh, Ukraine, mm-hmm. and so Ch- China as an ally is going to play the game of jerking Ukraine around. See if see if they can't end this war on some terms that are favorable to both Russia and China. Yeah. And embarrass the United States in the process, weaken NATO in the process, and undermine the Western alliance more broadly. I don't understand this. Did, I mean, did he say to Zelensky, "I'm with, I'm with you guys. You're struggle against Russia." No, I mean this is this assumes, of course, any of this is is as it appears to be, which it yeah. may not be, which it may not yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Ch- yeah. China has has signed a no limits alliance with the Russians, strategic yeah. alliance. And that would include whatever Russia does in Ukraine. So when when China is talking to Ukraine, presumably she is saying to Zelensky, look, what what are you going to get out of this? And why don't you know, he might be saying, 
why don't we end this whole thing and let's figure out what a post post war world looks like for you and let's do it on terms that that are okay for you yeah what i don't understand is why not negotiate for peace what is the point here yeah you think we're pressuring him to do that no i think we're I, my my fear right now is the united states in a very ill-prepared way, is interested in making war in Europe for some reason. And yeah, it's somebody said to me the other day, I think U.S. is more bellicose toward Russia than uh, Ukraine right now. <laughs> I don't know about that. but Yeah, I don't know about that either. But you saw this zone, this uh, drone strike yep. the other day. Right. And at least in the Russian media, they're portraying that as... I know it's ridiculous, and even even the State Department spokesman John Kirby said it was ridiculous. And here, I think I agree with him. But Russia said this was this was Kiev and Washington conspiring to kill Vladimir Putin, to assassinate Vladimir Putin, basically casting both the Ukrainians and the Americans as terrorists in all this. Well, this is interesting language, isn't it? Yeah, because it's the kind of language that can justify an awful lot of bad things. Right. Either to the Russian people or the Chinese people or the people of Eastern Europe. No, I don't think people of Eastern Europe would buy such arguments. But you you just don't know what kind of uh, radicalism there is today within within various pockets in the American military or Ukraine or Russia or China. I mean, you have the people in these countries who live and go to work each day. And then you have the political elites, and then you have the military elites, then you have the intelligence apparatus in these countries. And they seem to have a bunch of different agendas on any given day. And it's unclear who's in charge. It's unclear Biden knows in this country, for instance, who's in charge of any of this. Yeah, yeah. And even, even, in, even in Russia itself, you have these internal disputes. The Wagner Group or Wagner Group is threatening to pull out of Ukraine over some internal dispute. What's the Wagner Group? Uh, it looks to be a sort of quite group of quasi mercenaries. No, oh, okay. you know, it, it would be probably the equivalent of, of Blackwater here yeah, in the okay. country. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Con- contra- very professional contractors. Ruthless contractors who can who can go who can go do the business of the the Russian military. And they're maybe pulling out of the. Uh, well, they're threatening. They're, they're, they're threatening to again. This could all be. This is war, so it could all be deception. Yep, too. yep, yep. yep. What, what I what I'm also concerned about, and I say this just for uh, your listeners, we really should be prepared much more than we are today for being individually resilient. It's it's one thing to hear all these all this commentary about the state of the world. Make sure you and your family are individually resilient in case there is a crisis in this country. And I don't say that to panic anybody, but to comfort people that whatever whatever we face, we can get through. But I'm not I'm not quite sure of the capability of our government to get us through it. And so having extra food and water and you know, the ability to provide for your family separate from the government has probably never been more important than it is today. I'm on I'm on a variety of calls each week with some really important thinkers in the strategic space. And almost all of them, I know themselves, worry about the American government's ability to defend the American people and to just do the the everyday things. 
like make sure we have food and water and those kind of things in case of a real global crisis that we've seen already because of you know COVID or in this time since COVID, all these supply chain disruptions. Well, they're, they're yeah. they've not they've not gone away yet. So being individually prepared are the kind of things citizens should be um, should be thinking about and actually doing something about food and water and weapons. Yes, and that and, and of course. A lot of Americans are stocking up on those today, and that's a perfectly sensible thing. And and far from being a, a something that would lead to violence, it actually, I think, would lead to greater stability in society to yeah. have people armed and ready for defending their families. My goodness. My goodness. What a world, huh? What a world. Donald Trump. Well, I just, you know, I, I like everyone else in following the, the weaponization of government and all these attempts to to go after President Trump. And it looks to me like that they can't stop him politically. I mean, I, I do think the we've not fixed our election system, so they may be able to stop him that way. But just in the news every day, Trump still manages to dominate anything he gets close to. Yeah. And so you can see how the government is still today going after him, hammer and tong trying to find some method to engage in lawfare to, you know, they've already arrested him once and now they're going to go after him on, on, I presume these uh, classified documents more aggressively. And, and that occurs of course, in the backdrop of a, an impending Republican primary and presumably a campaign this fall on who the presidential nominee for the Republicans is going to be. Uh, you think uh, DeSantis is a less likely nominee now than he was a couple months ago? I think so. I think so. I think, I think, look, he's a young man still for so many Americans. And I think the more people see him, the more they think, why can't this guy wait till next time? He's in his 40s, right? I think he's 45. Yeah. I was on a, I was on a call with one of his advisors last night and look, I, I'm a big fan of Ron DeSantis. I think he's Me great. Too. Me too. I just think, I, I just think the time is that of Donald Trump and that getting, getting Trump elected would be good for the country in a variety of ways. Not merely that he would be able to continue his agenda of dismantling the administrative state, but that it would show a certain kind of vindication for our political system. Yeah. How many Amer- how many Americans today think Joe Biden is illegitimate, that the election yeah. was stolen and something's not yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Get it, getting that right would be a very useful thing. The, the earlier body politic. In the earlier part of this podcast, I was saying there's a large sentiment now of uh, among a number of people, not about the voting machines, just put that aside you know, election deniers and all that stuff. But people saying, you know, if we'd known everything about Biden and Hunter Biden, and the, and the FBI hadn't, you know, told Facebook not to run things and Twitter not to run things. There wasn't this suppression of uh, ideas and facts. Uh, Trump would be president. Uh, and there, there are a lot of people saying that. I think there may be something to that. Yeah. And but yeah. look, and we're, we're discussing this. Also, as artificial intelligence is inserting itself into our political discourse in it ways that is. 
in ways that we we just don't even know. We don't know what's going on here, right? And we so don't. we're we're going to have an election over the next year and a half, or a campaign over the next year and a half, where artificial intelligence, for all we know, might be used to manipulate the news and the distribution of social media. We're living in a very unusual time here. Getting things getting things as back to normal or back to humans interacting with other humans, voting in a way that is beyond reproach. I mean, say what you will about the machines. One thing is for sure that they are electronic and there is artificial intelligence. And somewhere, somewhere, somehow, some part of this is connected to the internet, right? And getting a system where people have complete confidence that whoever wins in November of 2024 is actually the president, should be the president, that there hasn't been this kind of manipulation should be a very high priority. And yes. as, I've, as I've been saying to folks, we live in a society where nearly everything is broken, nearly everything yeah. from, from business, banking, state government, local government, the federal government. Nearly all of this is broken in some substantial way. The military doesn't operate correctly. We have drag, queen, drag queens trying to recruit you know, Navy men to the, to the yeah. service. This is a, the only thing that works apparently is our election system. That is perfect. That is beyond reproach. And that seems of course, ridiculous and far-fetched. Why would we think, why would we think that that's the only thing within our society that actually works? Yeah. When everything else is broken. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to be done. And uh, this whole AI, I, artificial intelligence, thing is uh, you know I, I i don't know what to say i don't i, I don't know uh i know smart people who think we should pause uh, i know a lot of smart people who say we shouldn't because we we're not gonna other people aren't gonna pause we can't fall behind there's a kind of a artificial intelligence arms race right yeah i think i'm more of an absolutist about this one go ahead well which is if it can't be controlled and it doesn't appear to be uh able to be controlled then you shouldn't have it. And so we shouldn't have it. The Russians shouldn't have it. And the Chinese shouldn't have it and treat it as if it was a weapon of mass destruction, period. Yeah. yeah. And you want to have it? Good. You have no, you have no business opportunities here in the United States. None, zero zilch. You, we, we will treat you as an enemy combatant starting now. And so really, what say the Chinese? So what say the Russians? Good, good. We'll cut you up. We've not done a fraction of what is possible to be done either either economically, financially, or militarily. To inflict damage on those two countries, for example. Sure, sure. Right. Okay. sure. Uh, I, I also think, by the way, the, um, the ability for artificial intelligence to corrupt our system even more than it is today is massive. And as you yeah. say, there are really, really smart people who are looking at that. But uh, uh, I just don't think we can run the risk. We've seen, I mean, pretty, Forgive me. We've seen the movie, or yeah, well, we, a, a number of movies. In all, in all the movies, for a reason, the artificial intelligence goes wrong, and bad things yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, let me ask a quick question about your last comment. If we can't control it, then what? What does it mean to say we'll punish countries that don't control it? We can't control it either. Well, right. Uh, I guess what I mean is, once you go down the road that 
artificial intelligence is acceptable, where does it end? It just keeps on evolving and, and it becomes a war tool, a war fighting tool, so that we're in an artificial intelligence war with Russia and China. Uh-huh. And we don't know what that looks like. Uh-huh. We don't, I mean, look, what's becoming clear is, and, and not to, it's not, this is not changing the subject, but the whole biological weapons question is out there. And we know the Russians do a lot of biological weapons research. The Chinese certainly do. And apparently, yep. we certainly do. Mm-hmm. Now, there are conventions against the use of biological weapons, and that sort of just went out the window. When Victoria Newland talked about you know, bioweapons labs that we were running in Ukraine, a lot of people took a step back and said, what? We're running bioweapons labs or, you know, doing that kind of research in Ukraine. Why in the hell are we doing it in Ukraine? Well, just transfer that over to, to, and those things can get out of hand, right? Witness what happened in the Wuhan Institute of Virology and COVID-19. That was certainly biological weapons research gone wrong or some biological research that gone that went wrong just put that over to, to artificial intelligence imagine the number of things that can go wrong now where do, where do the this artificial intelligence where does it live it lives on computers it lives on servers we know where those servers are so there are there are there are serious people talking about you know if people are not willing to to uh agree to a cessation of artificial intelligence, and it is in a warlike setting, we'll just go and we'll, we'll have missile strikes, God forbid, on the server farms that house where this artificial intelligence is residing. Yeah, that's, at the, yeah. that's, that's at the extreme level, right? That's at the extreme level. Sure, sure. And, and we don't want to get there. But we're talking about a, a think of the same way a, a bioweapon, a virus gets out of a lab and decides, and because it's a virus and it can't be controlled, kills millions or billions of people. We would think that's a dumb thing, an awful thing, a horrible thing. And so we ban bioweapons for that reason. Well, artificial intelligence has a similar quality to it. So we ban it? I think, so. in my own judgment, uh, I would ban it. What, what good could it do society? I, I think people are starting to question what good any of these little computers and these wonderful devices we have are. I think I think we need a we need a renaissance of people talking to human beings in person again, enjoying the company of others. You can enjoy your odd podcast, of course, but they need to enjoy the company of others again and solve problems the old fashioned way as human beings, the way human beings have marvelously done for millennia instead of ever more relying on technology, which does not seem to be improving our lives these days. Yeah, that's funny. That's very interesting. There's a lot to chew on there. You as, um, you, as, you as a philosopher and someone who has studied and presented the idea of what it means to be a well-educated man or a woman, this, this is not the byproduct of computers, is it? No. This is, the by, this is the byproduct of human interaction and books and the classical yeah. literature and philosophy that human beings created, yeah. not com- not computers. Yeah, right. I mean, I have friends I talk to still every day on the phone, of course. And, you know, there's all sorts of other ways because sometimes that's all we have. But we've used it to replace the human interaction. 
And the human interaction is the thing that is most special amongst us. Okay. And we and we and, and we can't lose it because if we do we right. lose ourselves, we we lose ourselves. Okay. Well, but but what about when I was talking? I was talking about this TV the other day, and I, I don't know, but it just came to me. Two thousand one Space Odyssey, right? Right. Uh, open the pod. Open yeah. the open the pod, Hal. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that, or something like that. Sorry, Dave. I can't do that. Computer got out of control. Right. Is it possible that they're out of control now that we wouldn't be able to control AI? Look, I I, I think that's the great worry. Okay. That that artificial intelligence, like, well, let me let me put it this way: that I don't think that they can become. Obviously, I don't. They're not going to be sentient. They're not going to think for themselves. They're going to think like some computer programmer somewhere. Yeah, that's and right. Every 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 ability for a human to engage in evil and corruption, if they're programming that into artificial intelligence, will also be there. Yeah. And I think I think virtue is a very human thing, and prudence and judgment. That's the thing you're not going to be able to program into that. You're going to be able to. Yeah. I fear. I fear only bad things can occur from this. And by the way, the trade-off is just not worth it. Gotcha. So let's embrace each other, those we yes. love. And if I well, call you, and if I call you, Brian, stop uh, responding by texting me. I'll answer. I'll answer. <laughs> I'll answer immediately. <laughs> and you do. And you do. And with you, of course, I always do. Thank you. Thank you, Brian Kennedy. Thank you, Bill Bennett. A lot to think about, folks. Uh, write us your reactions to what Brian said. And maybe, Claude, we'll uh, have Brian back on to respond to what people say here. I think we should. When we get these emails, I'll, I will forward them to Mr. Kennedy. And, uh, yeah, we'll have him back on to respond to emails. Yeah, they really love, uh, love it when you're on, Brian, and mm-hmm. uh, as, as Claude and I do. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Bill. Okay. Thank you, Claude. Okay, that just about does it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to tell your family and your friends. Also, share this on your social media pages. Feel free to like me on Facebook, search Bill Bennett, and follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can also email me at BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. 